This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. We'll have two hours of advanced analysis, the X's and O's, headlines around the NBA, and breakdown of your Utah Jazz. Here are your hosts, Zach Harper and Andy Larson, on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson, the managing editor of Salt City Hoops and also the beat writer for the Utah Jazz for KSL.com. I am Ben Anderson. You can follow Andy on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. Tweet at him. You got questions you want to have answered during the show. He's the man at Andy B. Larson. You can also tweet at me at Ben's Hoops. We also like to take your calls. Last week we got a few calls. Very good. good. We always like uh, having people call in. So you have questions. That is the best way to get your thoughts across. 877 353 0700. 877 353 Brittany will take your call and she'll Jimmy rig it over to us or whatever yeah. they do. On a day with a lot of football talk, and understandably so, we're at a, a two-hour yeah. recess, if you will, from that and talk a little bit of Utah Jazz and NBA. Uh, so again, at Andy B. Larson is the best way to get questions in. You can also tweet at me at Ben's Hoops. Uh, a lot going on in the NBA, even though we're kind of getting to that point where uh, free agency is starting to dissipate a little bit. We're slowing down a little bit, but there have been a couple of moves made. The Kyrie Irving news is obviously the big conversation whether or not he's going to get traded and what could be expected in a return, and we'll talk about that yeah. coming up before the end of the show. Uh, the latest with the Utah Jazz, uh, not a ton. Not a ton of newsy stuff, yeah. but uh, I, I think there's a lot of big questions with this basketball team now. Is We're about to get into the really slow part of the season, August and September. There's just about no news in the NBA. At least I don't expect a ton with the Jazz, but... I think with so much change losing Gordon Hayward, there's a lot to speculate about, a lot of big questions to ask, and one of them has been kind of the reemergence of Derek Favors' health has been a talking point for Dennis Lindsay in the offseason, Rudy Gobert taking over as the man for the Jazz, and then how do those two fit together? Right. And this is something we talked a little bit with Dan Clayton about last week, but I think it's it, looking at that fit, I think, is, is important. Um, so first of all, the, the stats for that fit are, are really good. You know, you, you look at how they've been on the court – in, in a few minutes together, plus-minus-wise, last year and then two years ago, the numbers are really positive. The Jazz are a playoff team, maybe a, a top-four-in-the-West kind of team when both of those guys are on the floor. Now, I don't know that it's more effective than you would, like, expect than, uh, you know, when you have two of your, your four or five best players out on the floor. You know, like, of course, that's better than your bench lineups would be. But it, it's still a good sign for, for the Jazz. Now, the, the real kind of question is, and kind of the curiosity there is... Despite that, Quinn Snyder is very reluctant to run that lineup at the end of the game. Sure. Has been when Derek Favors was hurt last year and even when he was healthy two years ago. So, and I think the reason is, is because of the, the lack of spacing that that offense, that that lineup provides. I think teams are, are that's really when those last five minutes are kind of when they, uh, I don't want to say start paying attention, but, you know, you've had 43 minutes of, of kind of a, an idea of how these guys yeah. play and you can kind of, run sets and all and it all comes down to execution i guess and so at that point it it's maybe the spacing hurts you more than than it hurts you at other points of the game sure and that's been my biggest key is that yeah the numbers have always looked good and anytime you talk about moving favors or not playing favors and and go bear together you'll get 10 twitter people who jump and say hey but the numbers are great they're good on plus minus that's a you know they've got a great net rating when they're together on the floor look and i'm that guy right but there's a reason that the Jazz, who are very progressive when it comes to advanced numbers and looking at things like that, how their lineups perform when they're on the floor together, never play that. 
And I would say that's the ultimate trump card is if the coach never plays it, there's a reason he never plays it. And, I mean, sometimes the coach is wrong, right? I mean, right. I'll, I'll say that. The but Ty Corbin I, I, era? Right. <laughs> We've seen it. I mean, I, and I think Quinn Snyder is happy to agree that he's been wrong on some things yeah. too. But I think you look at the numbers when Joe Johnson's in the lineup and you start to see really the potential of what a stretch four around Rudy Gobert really starts to look like. Right. And I will say this now, and, and obviously you don't have Gordon Hayward on the floor at the end of games, so that changes everything and impacts everyone. But the Jazz won a playoff series. Even though Derek Favors was great and the Jazz don't beat the Clippers without Derek Favors, they won that series because they could put Joe Johnson on the floor at the power forward. Yeah. And I think that is probably a bigger influence of what you trust now going into the season because, and maybe more so now, an endorsement of needing to have Joe Johnson on the floor is that you need a guy who can score in isolation. And even when you had Hayward, a lot of the times the ball went to Joe Johnson last year. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think you, I don't want to take credit away from Derek Favors for winning that series because I think he was like the third most important jazz player winning that series no question. behind Gordon Hayward and Joe Johnson. Yep. Uh, but, and what he did as a center defending the pick and roll, especially in games five and game seven, were, it was, was off the charts. Uh, that being said, that came at the five, not at the four. Right. I think it's important to like think about that. And the that Jazz still guys... win that series if Gobert's healthy the whole time. Yeah, I think that's that's probably true. You it, know, assuming it... Derek uh, Blake Griffin also goes down. Right. They did it a different way because Favors, yeah, has a, an ability to kind of trap on Chris Paul or collapse on Chris Paul out of the pick and roll. But yeah, Derek Favors just takes away, or I should say, Rudy Gobert just takes away another element of the offense that the Clippers were going to go after. So right. it's not. I don't think Derek Favors single handedly changed that impact. Like the Jazz benched Rudy Gobert and st- instead of no. uh, playing, uh, you know, in favor of playing favors. But I think they would have that they would have won the series one way or another. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair to say. Um, so and again, so again, I think it has to go back to: Do you just play Joe John Derek Favors most of his minutes at the five? Do you play Joe Johnson most of the minutes at the four? When Joe Johnson doesn't play the four, do you play Derek Favors there, or do you play Jonas Drebko, or do you play Joe Ingles? You know, like what what would you do if you were Quinn Snyder? I, first of all, you got to maximize what Derek Favors' value is, and yeah. I think because I still think Derek Favors, halfway through the season, February, that early trade deadline that they have now, is still one of your three most valuable trade assets that are realistically is going to be traded or has a chance to be traded. I mean, yeah, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are your top trade assets right now, but I don't think the Jazz want to move either of those guys. Derek Favors, Joe Johnson, those guys automatically become very valuable trade assets. So I think you want to do whatever you can to up Derek Favors' value. And where is he most valuable in the NBA? I think that's a, actually a real question. Yeah. Uh, I mean, apparently with the Kyrie Irving trade, there, you know, Brian Windhorst went on the on a podcast with the, the low post uh, with Zach Lowe and said, hey, uh, I'm not reporting this yet, but there's rumors that you know the Jazz – had included Derek Favors in these trade talks for Kyrie Irving or Kevin Lover as, as part of one of these three-way deals that would see either of those players go to separate teams. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think that says something about that he's on the market. I mean, we, we know that he's on the market. Yeah, no, for right? sure he's on the market. But uh, that, you know, maybe Cleveland is one of those teams that says, okay, look, we don't have Timofey Mozgov and we kind of lost something there. Derek yep. Favors can provide us some of what he gave. Uh, and honestly, better offense than what Mozgov does. Oh yeah, absolutely, a ton better if right. he's healthy and when he's playing well. Uh, so, so I think that's something the Jazz are going to examine. But the Jazz went out and got Ekbe Udo with the idea that he was going to be the backup center, and I think it would be foolish to not play him there. Yeah. So, and so then, what minutes does Derek Favors get? Just four minutes? I mean, he needs yeah, probably just minutes at the four would okay. be my assumption there, unless of course there's an injury to Gobert, in which case you'd love to have. 
favors because exactly what you saw in the playoffs. He helped you win a playoff series because of what his ability is to, to step in. And if he's healthy and he gets back to 16 points and nine rebounds, great. You know, and then you got to figure out what to do with him from there. Can you afford him or do you have to trade him? Because you can't afford him because you're going to pay Rodney Hood, assuming you pay Rodney Hood and Dante Exum this upcoming offseason as well. So That's the thing. Is I, I get the sense that the Jazz don't want to just give away Derek Favors for, for nothing. Nope. To let him go for nothing, I should say. But I think you're probably going to see the Favors that's closer to the 16-9 and nine guy than the, what was he, 9-7 and seven nine, this past yeah. year, 9-6 and six this past year. I'm betting he gets a lot closer to that 16-9 and nine performance we saw two years ago and three years ago than what we saw this past season because he was injured so much. Hey, I'd love to see it, but I'm I, I, skeptical that he gets that many minutes, quite frankly. I mean, when he was that 16-8 and eight guy, he was playing 35 minutes a game. Yeah. I don't know how he gets 35 minutes on this team with, like you say, Joe Johnson playing a lot of minutes at the four. Now, Joe Johnson's minutes should probably go down during the regular season yep. and then have him play more in the playoffs again. But even then, then you've got Jonas Jarebko, who, you know, again, Derek Favors should probably always play over. Uh, and Ekpe Udo, who is going to be taking a lot of those minutes at the five. I, I don't know how he gets those minutes um, in a way that really works out consistently. Again, unless somebody gets hurt. Here's what's going to be and difficult. You can, and again, with the idea that Quinn is probably not going to be playing him at the end of games. Here's what's going to be difficult. We don't know what approach the Jazz are taking to this season at all at this point. Yeah. Are the Jazz going in with an idea that, hey, we're trying to set up that next major trade, and then once we get that, then we feel like we've got direction, and this is just going to be kind of a free-flowing, let's see what we have, let's see what these pieces can do, let's see what Dante does, let's see what Donovan Mitchell's able to do, let's see if Rodney Hood can be the man, and if not, we need to go and replace Rodney Hood with a max player. I mean, I think those are all different options that you can go out there with, and in that sense, I don't know if you fully invest in Derek Favors one way or another, because there's a good chance he's gone after the season, if he, right. even if he does play well for you, because you've got no way to keep him. So you, I guess your options are fully invest in someone who's going to be on the roster long term because you have a contract for him, right. or fully invest in Derek Favors. And I, I guess the option C is fully invest in everybody and just see what happens. Yeah, but you have to give minutes to somebody. Uh, do you give minutes of Favors and then trade him for something that again will hopefully be on your contract, uh, you're on your roster with a longer contract moving forward? And I assume that's what you do. So I think Favors gets out, goes out there, and there's no reason not to play him 30 minutes because you're not because Joe Johnson. I I don't think Joe Johnson's back next year. I, yeah, I think after, he goes and goes after. ring chasing, and good for him. He deserves to be able to do that. He's signed this last deal with the Jazz to get those last kind of 20 million dollars, and now he'll go do the Derrick Rose thing and make two million dollars as a backup for 10 minutes wherever he wants to play. Whether that's the Lakers next year, whether that's you know the Clippers if they decide they want him and they're any good, or the Cavaliers or and wherever he's LeBron is. And up. he's going to the Lakers and Clippers. Well, we'll see what th- those teams look okay. like in a couple of years. I mean, but, yeah, you, you never know. You never okay. know where LeBron's going to end up. Even though if I know, LeBron ends up right. going to L.A., either yeah. one of those, then... Sure, know. even though he's kind of ruled out the Clippers already. But you never know. The Clippers yeah. could still try and make a play. They do have a multi-billionaire owner who's going to try and be aggressive. I think we should talk about the Clippers and maybe some potential trades with the Jazz there hmm. coming up uh, before the uh, end of the show. So make sure you stay tuned for that. The, how I approach Derek Favors, though, is you really want to get him minutes because you want to inflate his value. You're not trying to get Derek Favors to win you games right now because I don't think that's the most important thing for the Jazz right now. Because if you make the playoffs and then you, because of Derek Favors and Joe Johnson, and then you lose them both, the value of making the playoffs dissipates a little bit. Yeah. I don't think that's a huge plus for your organization, even though I don't think it's bad for the Jazz to make the playoffs. I mean, going and getting the eighth or ninth lottery pick this year is not a huge victory for the Jazz. Right. No, I, I agree with that. And I think even even then it's not eighth, eight or nine. You know, this Jazz team is too good to lose 50 games, you know, yeah. honestly. So 
you're looking at the 13th or 14th lottery pick, and well, that gets you Donovan Mitchell or Trey Lyles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. You know, it's it's a crapshoot. So maybe our question um, that we started this topic with was, will Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert play together? I mean, maybe it's just a flawed question because yeah. it just doesn't matter 12 months from now. Yeah, maybe. Because Favors is signed somewhere else or has been traded somewhere else. So the idea of them playing together doesn't matter. It's how do you best maximize the value of Derek Favors for the idea that you're going to try and move him. And I I would be stunned if the Jazz don't move him for one reason or another at the trade deadline because he's a good expiring contract. And there are a lot of teams who are now at that point with the crazy deals they handed out last summer that are too much money. They want to get out from underneath those, and they might be willing to give up an extra piece with that player like Alan Crabb and or you know or or right. or Damari Carroll when they try and unload these pieces though I know the Portland didn't give up a pick or anything with Alan Crabb but they start trying to get rid of some of those contracts and they'll take back an expiring contract even if that guy's not performing super well if you can get favors performing well well then you can do that and expect to get another piece back right and so and then you almost kind of look at a three-way deal where you're giving Derek favors to a team that wants to contend and then getting something like a pick from like, you know, an Allen yeah, exactly. Demario Carroll type from a team that wants to, to dump salary in whatever way. There yeah. aren't too many of those teams. It used to be Toronto that was both competing and wanting to dump salary. Now right. I don't know how many of those teams are left. Um, you want to talk about Ricky Rubio? For sure. Okay. So I, I was bothered by someone on Twitter today. Can you believe that? That's, you? that's ridiculous. Bothered by people on Twitter? I shouldn't. I mean, Twitter I, people are great. So, uh, I, and I actually like this person a lot. Um, his name is Alexander Buck. He's uh, he's on Twitter. I, I honestly, his Twitter handle is really complicated, but anyway. Uh, and he tweeted that he didn't think the Ricky Rubio pick and roll can work ever. Like it won't work ever because you just have the pick, the point guard and center drop off, and then Ricky Rubio can't shoot. Is the idea right? Sure. Or finish if he does get to the rim. Or finish exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's a problem. Uh. But it turns out that Ricky Rubio is like a surprisingly good pull-up shooter. Yeah. Uh, and in particular, he shoot he shot forty-three percent, seventy-four, one hundred and thirty-one last year on pull-up jump shots. Compare that to George Hill, who only shot thirty-nine percent on pull-up jump shots. How, how what was Rubio's number? Fifty-three percent. Fifty-three, which is great. Really right. high. So that's actually like a legitimate offense to just run Rubio, Gobert, pick and rolls. I think that's that's something people have worried about is is Rudy as Ricky Rubio shooting and, and rightfully so like he's not a good three point shooter and I would say that on those pull up jumpers he didn't take any threes right like he, he would never take a pull up three on on pick and roll like that but from the elbow he's actually surprisingly money yeah that's all my, that's my Ricky Rubio rant I I like Ricky Rubio I think he'll be good uh look you can't you can't just put a guy in space I mean he's in the NBA. You yeah. know, I mean, th- right. there, that's the thing. And, and that's just kind of, here's the problem with that line of thinking. And I'm, I don't know who this person is on Twitter, but the problem with that is, A, a lot of guys make a lot of mistakes defending the pick and roll. They either get lost in the game, they get tired, they're a younger player, they get beat once because Ricky Rubio hits a jump shot and they realize, okay, well, we can't do that anymore. I mean, right. it, it, maybe you let him do it twice, but if he hits it one out of two times, the coach is going to adjust. And if he hits it two out of two times, you totally adjust and then... You've kind of got this cat and mouse thing where it's okay. You get to go over, you get to go under, and then how are you going to defend it? Are you going to switch? Are you get a trap? Are you going to get the ball out of Ricky Rubio's hands? You get the ball out of Ricky Rubio's hands by trapping. He's good enough a to make that pass, and then you've got an open rim run for Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Or Ricky Rubio's good enough if you've sent a help defender over to go and collapse. And this is getting way too complicated. But if <laughs> you're sending a corner defender down 
to stop Rudy Gobert, either that person's going to get dunked on, or you've got Jonas Jerebko or Rodney Hood or Joe Ingles open in the corner, and that's those guys' shot. Right. So, I mean, the the pick and roll is not just a two-man game. It's designed to get the defense moving, and then Ricky Rubio's smart enough to find that passer. And George Hill was a four-assist guy, which is great. He was fine. But Ricky Rubio is certainly a better passer than that. Yeah, and, and will have the ball in his hands more and, and create those opportunities from that first pass, where I think George Hill kind of created those opportunities from second, third, fourth passes yeah. where the ball swings around a lot, and that's why we see the Jazz get a lot of late shot clock opportunities and one reason why I think the Jazz's pace will be faster next yeah. year. Um, well, and also, where okay, where are you going to drop off Ricky Rubio? Like, how far back are you going to drop off until you have to pick him up? I mean, teams dropped off him 5, 10 feet last year. Okay. It just turns out they also made him pay. Like, Ricky Rubio made them pay for it. Right. So, so if he gets to 15 feet, you're really in trouble. And that's way too far. Yeah. for. And, and just in general, just a general rule, that's too dangerous for the ball to get within 15 feet of the basket with a ball handler with kind of an open run, and, whoever it right. is. And, and honestly, the problem is, like, you can't, you can't put him in the corner to space like you can with George Hill, right? Because right? he's not a three-point shooter. Yeah. But... That's so you'll you'll have to redesign the offense and Quinn will have to redesign the offense so the ball's in Ricky Rubio's hands at the top of the arc where he's he's operating rather than you know sp- spacing the floor. You can tweet at us at Andy B Larson. We'd love to hear from you at Ben's Hoops. There's an S in there, unfortunately. At Andy B Larson or at <laughs> Ben's Hoops. Who is Ben Hoops? Well, yeah, well, okay. I, I tell you, I went through thirty different handles trying to I find believe. like a name because Ben Anderson is the most basic name on earth. Yeah, and. So everyone's taken 50 different variations of that. And then I was like, well, I'll just go to Ben's Hoops. And I felt bad because Zach, who used to host the show, is Talk Hoops. And I was like, not trying to rip his Twitter handle. <laughs> not trying to steal Not just hoops. trying to steal his thing, but... I don't think he had Hoops trademarked. No, I don't think so. But still, it's like one, it's like his thing. Yeah, okay. So I felt bad doing that. But I was like, I got to... Oh, like, that was a long story. Was it like where you had to, you know, where guys come into a new team and they have to pay someone off to get a jersey number? I, I, like I honestly, I DM'd the guy whose Twitter handle is Ben Anderson because he hadn't tweeted in four years. And I was like, will you follow me back so I can DM you? And uh, he never followed me back because I don't think he has Twitter Wait, anymore. And I'm like, well, you're just, ago. I need Twitter now to delete that Twitter handle. Yeah. I want them to do it. If you haven't tweeted in, what, like 45 minutes, <laughs> you lose your Twitter <laughs> handle. Like with how common Twitter has to be, you lose that handle if you don't use it quick enough. Seems fair. But seriously, a year, if you haven't tweeted or liked anything in a year, that thing becomes fair game. Yeah. And they issue it like, hey, you've got a week to respond to this email and say you still want this Twitter handle, otherwise we're giving it up. Seems reasonable. I think it's totally reasonable. By the way, uh, we have questions on Twitter. Oh, let's hear them. Let's see. Uh, we've got at Spandex Larry asking, how many questions on this roster will average between how many, 12? How many, how many players sorry, on this how roster? How many players on yeah. this roster will average between 12 and 17 points? Six? Seven? Uh, all right, let's go for who our top scorer is next year. An hour, I mean you and I making our list, yeah, not yeah, yeah. our the Jazz. Uh, who's, the, who's the Jazz top scorer next year? I still think it's Rodney Hood. I think it's Rudy Gobert, but okay. And, and w- that got, one of them's one and one of them's two, right? Do you agree with me there? Yeah, okay. Right, you, you would take Gobert second if you took Rodney Hood one. Yep. And I'll take Rodney Hood second if I take Rudy Gobert one. Okay. Uh, who's three? Uh, Ricky Rubio, is that crazy? Yeah, that's crazy. Because he's never averaged 12 points in his career. Didn't he last year? I think he's only ever averaged, I think he's averaged between 9 and 10 points a game. I don't know if he's ever gotten up to 11. Uh, we can look that up. That's really easy. Yeah, I'll look that up. Um, I yeah, would say he had 11 last year. I'd say Joe Ingles. So you think, okay, so Joe Ingles, but. I mean, Joe was what seven points a game last year. Yeah, seven well? points a game. Well, his numbers come up a lot because yeah. he gets he's your starting small forward now. Sure, most likely. But so he played twenty four minutes a game next year. Let's give him thirty six minutes a game. He's still only scoring ten points a game. If we think 
that shot distribution stays right. per minute, and I don't think Which it does. It won't. Yeah, it but, won't. Uh, yeah, I, okay, I, maybe I, not. Okay, then it, uh, Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson, get up there. Joe Johnson play that many minutes? Again, I think Joe Johnson probably plays about as many minutes as he did last year, 24 minutes a game. You don't want to play him a ton during the regular season, and he averaged 9.2 points a game. Well, you said six or seven. Did you say six or seven, or was that on the tweet? The six tweet or was seven. six or seven. Okay. Sorry, I I, okay. I don't think it's going to be six or seven. No, I mean, Gobert and, and Hood for sure get there. Between yeah. 12 and 17, is that our number yeah. that we're looking for? Favors gets there. Favors probably gets there. It'd be really hard for Derek to not get there unless he's injured unless again he's all season. With, yeah. Uh, Derek Favors gets there, and then one other guy gets there. Donovan Mitchell, Joe Johnson, Joe Ingles, one of those guys gets there. Okay. I mean, may, I, maybe I... Uh, yeah, and Rookie Rubio is probably a threat, too. I mean, that's seven names that I have, and I'd be confident that three of them or four of them get there. Okay, so you, you do think it's six or seven you agree with Larry Spanish? Oh, no, that's way too many. No, okay. I think four you get think there. Four. There are seven gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. guys that have the potential to get there, but maybe four of them do. Hood, for sure. Gobert, uh, for, Gobert sure. for sure. I would probably say the third most likely is, is probably Favors because his career average is close to that. Yeah, I think if he finds that role, like I say, again, I, I worry about his it, not only his availability but his role in the offense. But if he does get the minutes and get the playing time, he absolutely can average that. I mean, he'll if he does get the playing time, he'll shoot enough like mid-range jumpers, honestly, to get there because he he does look at stats like points and rebounds and tries to hit targets on a game-to-game basis. I, I could easily see Donovan Mitchell getting to twelve points a game because I That's think he's going to play a lot. Like, you, so how many minutes a game do you think he's going to get? I think he's getting a lot because okay. I think there's a point where early the Jazz realized that backcourt outside of Ricky Rubio is not out and Rodney Hood. I'll put Rodney Hood in the backcourt, uh, even though if we're going to go, let's do the Brad Stevens thing where we're talking ball handlers, wings, and bigs. Okay. Rodney Hood's probably more of a, a wing yep. than the ball handler. So who's your second ball handler? I mean, the guy I would right, put the ball in the hands of right now is Donovan, Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell. So sure. he might get 25 plus minutes, and I just think he's going to shoot the hell out of the ball. Not well. He's just going to shoot it a lot like <laughs> yeah, he did in Summer League. Uh, that's the thing is if he shoots, I, I don't think he shoots that many times in Quinn's system, and he's talked about how he doesn't want to shoot that many times. He said that right? before Summer League, and then he went Kyle Kuzma on us well, and that, shot every time he, he touched it. Hey, he didn't shoot as much as Trey Lyles did last year, which no. was uh, infinite amounts. Yeah. And B, you saw his teammates during Summer League, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, he'll have better teammates. Yeah, but compared and, to the competition? It's not going to be enormously different. It, they, they'll certainly be better. I think he likes shooting. I still think that's his default, and I don't think you train that out of him. Okay. I think that's part of what makes Donovan you, Mitchell Donovan Mitchell. You like you want him to take as many shots as possible. I want him to figure out how to get more efficient, but I don't have a problem with him taking shots early in his career and figuring yeah. out if he can be a scorer. It's kind of like how you talk about with like turnovers are kind of a good thing for a young. Yeah, exactly. Because exactly. it shows that they're willing to kind of make the difficult mistakes that they'll get better at later on in their career. Maybe you think the same thing with shot attempts. On the other hand, there are a lot of rookies who have had bad efficiency numbers that just turned out to be really bad, inefficient players. Super dark horse, twelve point per game score. Okay, Alec Burks. No, how does Alec Burks career get the average point ten time? points a game? So when he because he shoots the ball every time he touches it, and he that's all he wants to do. Okay, and the Jazz may let him do that to try and trade him as well this year. The Jazz may let him get some shots up. I'd be shocked. I, I agree with you, but that's why I said super dark horse. Other super dark horse, Jonas Drebko. Who might get a lot more minutes than anyone's thinking? I, I again would be shocked. What's what's Jonas Drebko's like per thirty six even? Jonas Drebko, and again, he's always been on weird teams where they haven't needed him a ton. Sure, I mean he's purely been a bench guy, and his career average is six points. So it would be a remarkable he, climb. He's never so he yeah his his highest uh, points per game average was nine in his rookie season. But let's say the Jazz do move on from Derek Favors relatively early in the season. 
Jonas Drebko could end up getting a lot of minutes for this team at power forward. Yeah. Because who else is going to play him? Yeah. And I still don't think he gets 12. Probably not. That's why I said super dark horse. <laughs> but I'm just saying these guys, if we're trying to clean up, and, and I've just basically mentioned every name on the roster, yeah. Sands, you know, Ekpe Udo, Dante. Probably not. Yeah, probably not Dante. I could honestly Tony see Bradley's a case not getting 12. For, Tony Bradley is the one guy whose case I would say absolutely has no chance. Joel Ballenboy is not getting 12. Neto's Are not getting Are we sure he's 12. on the team next year? <laughs> no, we're yeah. not. We think he's not going to be. I there. don't think he's on the team. Anyway. Neto can't get there either. No. But I would. there's a lot of guys. Any starter in the NBA can generally get you 12 points a game because they're going to get 25-plus minutes, and something there gives you the opportunity to get out there and score. So I'm looking at anyone who's not going to be playing 25 minutes and how the Jazz have played and how they're going to play this year by committee. Tabo Cephalosha. What yeah. are his odds? Low. He's not a double-digit scorer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's good. That's one in five. I, I, that's I think Tabo, Tabo is like more likely than Jonas Drebko. Uh That's the thing. I think the Jazz really want to do this kind of Euro style where yeah. everybody gets like 24 to 30 minutes a game. Minus Rudy. Minus Rudy who gets yeah. 36 because he's your team, right? Like he's your identity. I like that question. I do too. That was a good question. Thanks, Spandex. All right. You can always give us a call as well, 877-353-0700. Tweet at us, at Andy B. Larson. You can tweet at me, at Ben's Hoops. We love to hear your questions. When we come back, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, projections for Donovan Mitchell. Let's dive into that. Uh, some new details on Joe Ingles' contract as well and how that could benefit the Jazz. We're going to talk about that. Coming up next, stay tuned. It's the Salt City Hoops Show on ESPN 700. <laughs> Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson. Follow him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. You can tweet at me at Ben's Hoops. I'm Ben Anderson. We've had a bunch of good tweets coming in. Uh, you can also give us a call, 877-353-0700, 877-353-0700. Andy, an interesting comparison for the 2017-2018 Utah Jazz. Team similar to hey, last year's repeat team. that. I didn't have your mic on. Oh, sorry. So, My fault. Um, no, you're good. 1% juice on Twitter. Great Twitter handle, I guess. 2017-18 Utah Jazz. Are they are they going to be playing like the 2016-17 Miami Heat? In other words, the 41-41 and 41 Miami Heat team that just missed, missed the playoffs. The, Last missed, game of the season, I believe. But did finish the season 30-11? and 11. Uh, We're horrible to start the year. Yeah. Absolutely horrendous to start the year. Uh, I like that comparison. Good shot blocker, big man down low, though mm-hmm. Gobert is significantly better than uh, than Whiteside. Yeah. Uh, you got a guy in Dion Waiters who kind of took that fourth year, what, fifth year of his career, and he's been around a while, to figure it out. And become, he was extremely clutch this year. He had a ton of big shots. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, they didn't have a lot of obvious o- offense. Dragic, probably comparable to Ricky Rubio. You might take Rubio, actually, as a better player. Dragic is certainly a better shooter and scorer, yeah. so there's a benefit there. Uh, I, I see some similarities there. Here's what I like about the Jazz more than Miami last year. The Jazz know more – well, first of all, they're more talented than Miami was. Yeah. But they have more of an identity this year going into the season than did Miami, who had just lost Dwayne Wade. But there's kind of some similar comparisons there, losing Gordon Hayward. It's actually a really impressive coaching job. Impressive coaching job that yeah. uh, Eric Spolstra did in order to get them to be the fifth best defensive team in the league. And I get Hassan Whiteside is is a very good shot blocker, um, but 
had real difficulties on pick and roll defense and really improved those and tightened up at the end of the year. And then honestly, he got everyone to buy in. I mean, guys like Rodney Magruder and, and Wayne Ellington and, and Luke Babbitt started yeah. over 40 games for this. It's crazy. Cause that guy was barely in the NBA. And right. And not because, you know, his defense has never been yeah. noted as good. Uh, and, you know, kind of got these guys to buy it into his defensive system and, and it worked. I mean, so you add, you know, Ricky Rubio again, a better defender than Dragic, Tabo Cephalosha, uh, and some of the Jazz's better defensive players to what Miami, you, you probably hope they have a better defense than Miami did last year, uh, which was fifth overall. You probably figure they'll have a, a similar ish offense, and they were 17th last year. Jazz were 16th two seasons ago. That's kind of my benchmark, is if Jazz have an average offense next year, they've done a good job. Problem was, and is for the Jazz, Miami played the East Coast 50 times last year, right? And only 30 times against the West. And the Jazz have to play a much tougher conference 50 times and a much uh, easier conference just 30 times. And yeah. half of those, again, are on the road. And the conference schedule has uh, obviously gotten even harder with Denver's being good, Minnesota, and, and Houston's New better. Houston's yeah, better. Right. I mean, obviously, yeah, you go up and down. The only team that's really worse is the, the Jazz. Clippers. Maybe the Clippers. The, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, and that's going to be difficult for the Jazz. Jazz are more talented. Favors is much better than what Miami was running out last year at power forward. Again, Luke Babbitt. At power forward. That's Great. how crazy the NBA is. Uh, I mean, that guy was a shooting guard small forward coming into the league, you know, and now is really playing a lot of four. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, Favors, is better, Favors is better than Luke Babbitt by a lot, even though fit-wise, <laughs> obviously, Babbitt makes some sense because he's a shooter. Uh Go Bears a lot better than Hassan Whiteside. Rubio and and Dragic are probably pretty similar. I you know Deion Waiters is probably better than Rodney Hood last year, uh, quite a bit better yeah. last year. But it's not out of the it's not impossible for Hood to get up to that Deion Waiters level. But Waiters was good. Oh, Earned yeah. himself a lot of money this year by by the second half of the season. And you know we were talking about whether the, what players on the Jazz's roster will score between twelve and seventeen points a game. They have five players who did it, okay. uh, and that's James Johnson, Tyler Johnson, Dion Waiters, Son Whiteside, and Drogic. I mean, someone has to score, and the right. Jazz will score. I mean, the Jazz will get into the hundreds semi-regularly, not every <laughs> night. You know, right, they're not the Golden State Warriors, NBA but teams do. it happens. Yeah. yeah, you're going to have nights where you play well. It, it's not out of the question that the Jazz have a 20-point-per-game score next year. No. And I think I think the two candidates for that are obviously Rodney Hood, and I actually think if someone gets up to twenty, I would say it's probably Rudy Gobert, because I just think he kind of continues his offensive prowess and gets a lot more touches, and he finds a way to get his free throw shooting up to seventy nine percent or something like that, and goes to the line eleven times a game. See, so if that happens, I, I think you know I think he gets to like sixteen, but I, I think in he Gordon Hayward's absence may hurt him more than anybody else on the team. May hurt Gobert. Yeah. Because you don't have that spacing or that extra playmaker. Exactly. And it's not like Gordon Hayward consistently threw lobs to Rudy Gobert because that just didn't happen all no. that frequently. But in terms of who's going to get all of the impact and, and all of that scouting and everything else, I think it's Rudy Gobert. And I, I think you know he's going to have to learn how to fight through that. Now, the good news is I think he showed in the second round of the playoffs that he's very capable of handling that and competing despite it. Um, but you know this is going to be a harder season than ever than anything Gobert has faced. Uh, one of the guys who's going to have to step up his role, uh, and someone we've gotten a little bit of news about, is Joe Ingles having a declining contract. Joe Ingles is going to have to play more minutes. He's going to play at the four. He's going to play a lot at the three, and might be your starting three next year. So he'll get some some a- added time. And it actually could be a guy who, with his spacing, 
if he continues to shoot the ball as well as he did last year, could play a really crucial part in making sure Rudy Gobert has an easier time. And he's a very good passer as well. But that decline in contract is nice for the Jazz because, again, if this is a year where the Jazz can roll out and say, we've got Rudy for four more years, so there's not this win-now necessity. You're still in the honeymoon of the departure of Gordon Hayward, so fans are going to be a little bit lenient with the expectations. At least they should be. Yeah, uh, if they're not, they're crazy. This is the year to overpay a guy. And you could argue that all three of these years or four years you're overpaying uh, Joe Ingles, but it's better to start high and then get lower as he gets older. Yeah, no, I agree with that. You know, you were you were kind of thinking that maybe by the time he was 32-33, he's a just straight-up, spot-up shooter, yeah. right? And, you know, one of the better ones in the league, you hope, but still that's that's a guy with different value than what Joe Ingles currently brings, which is some playmaking and right. everything else. Uh, so that contract starts where he makes $14 million a year in year one and makes only 10.8 by 2020-2021, um, that, that fourth year. So that that really helps the Jazz out. And I think it makes it a more tradable contract, too, in case, you know, if a team is looking for that shooter, teams are yeah. always looking for shooting, then it makes it easier to find matching salaries to come back if, if you want to do that. Now, I'm not saying you would ever want to trade Joe Ingles at this point because, you know, what he means to the community yeah. and, and, honestly, his teammates. But three years from now, but you we know, don't know what's going to happen. Again, you know, who I've said he is, he's a poor man's now, but he'll get better than this guy got, was Boris Diaw. I just think he's Boris Diaw in almost every single sense huh. of the word. I mean, he's kind of that playmaker who can play. I mean, Boris Diaw could legitimately play five positions, but probably realistically played two through five and really three through five, while Joe Ingles probably plays more one through four. Never going to get up and play center, but by the time his career is over... He's going to be a spot-up shooter, a lot like Boris Diaw was, who you can put on the put on the post and have him make some passes out of there, and that's really his best skill. And then you hope he's a good finisher, where Boris Diaw had some nice finishes last year when he could turn you around and, and, and get a layup at the rim. Yeah, I mean, I would say that Boris could never shoot from outside, right? no. which really hurt his right. value. But, but He had the one good year with the Spurs, and that was kind of where everyone thought, like, oh, there's this resurgence of him as an older player, and that's, I think, what the Jazz thought they were going to get last year as well. They didn't, but that's who Joe Ingles becomes is that guy who shoots 40 for 40% and kind of is slow but can guard a couple of different positions and pass the ball the way Boris Diaw did late in his career. Yeah, I, I, I see but that. But a better shooter. I mean, you you hope that he doesn't let himself go like Boris. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. Joe, honestly, Boris Diaw is in shape. How old is Boris now? 36? Probably right. Yeah, that's the type of guy who's lying about his age. <laughs> I bet he's 41 years old. But Boris Diaw was only ever in shape, what, Boris. twice, three times in his career? You know, three seasons he was really in good shape. He was always kind of battling weight issues, and certainly when he got to Charlotte, he was terrible. Right. Had a resurgence, and and I think I think you'll see similar things to Joe Ingles, though he will never be out of shape. Right. I yeah, think he I, takes it more seriously than Boris did, and he figures out a way to impact the game without being athletic. But obviously, he's already. Doing but so did that. Boris. You know, all those things kind of apply to Boris Diaw. Now, early in his career, he was more athletic, but even then, go to his highlight tape on YouTube. How many poster dunks does he have in his career? Despite having this ridiculous vertical and the the famous story about him clearing the jump rack. Mm-hmm. For Phoenix, like he's a remarkable athlete who didn't show didn't it all really the time on the court. Right. So, uh, while you're on YouTube looking for Boris Diaw clips, be sure to look at the Bill Walton commentary of of where he just waxes poetic about Boris, Boris for a minute. I could listen to Bill Walton talk forever. We should play that on on the show at some point. Brittany can get on. Brittany, that. we can make that happen. Uh, but I, I think so. In Joe Ingles. Ten million at the end of his career. It's just like Boris. Did anyone feel like Boris Diaw's contract was an enormous burden last year for the Jazz? 
No. No, not at all. In the same way Joe Ingles won't either. Right. At $10 million in a couple of seasons at his age, I don't think it's going to be an enormous burden. And, again, it's going to be less than 10% of the the salary cap at that point, most likely. Yep. Which is fine, because he's going to probably still give you close to 10% of your minutes. Yeah, you you hope so, again, as a spot-up shooter guy who can give you decent defense. So, I'll I'll take that with Joe Ingles. If he forgets how to shoot, you know, if this last year turns out to be a fluke, then it's a bad contract. And he's the type of guy who can help people. On the roster, and, and we'll continue to teach yep. people tricks and, and be a guy you want to have around on your roster. And as a guy who, unless he just wants to go back home and get away from basketball because maybe he doesn't care about it, could end up being a coach in the NBA for a long time as well. Yeah, I, I don't think that's Joe. I think he really does care about the game, and I yep. think he I think he's kind of a, a lifer. All right, send us a tweet at Andy B. Larson. You can tweet at me at Ben's Hoops. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I do want to look at some potential targets for the Jazz if they're not done making moves. And I'm talking about before February, before the trade deadline. We'll catch up on all that before the end of the show, which ends at 9. So we've got a, a lot still to come. Stay tuned. It's the Salt City Hoops show on ESPN 700. Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson. Find him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. Find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. All right, coming up in 10 minutes. I'm excited for this game. It's called Buyers or Sellers, and not Buying or Selling, which is a game everyone plays. I'm talking about coming up the trade deadline, February of 2018, which teams are going to be buying assets mm-hmm. and which teams are going to be selling assets or, or players. Uh, and I think the good news for the Jazz is they can do both. Yeah. there's Even if the Jazz are looking like they're going to make the playoffs, I could see the Jazz selling off a player for the right asset. And even if the Jazz don't look like they're anywhere near making the playoffs, I could see them taking on a player that they think is going to make them better in the long run. And I think we both agree in the post-Gordon Hayward era, the Jazz are just looking to get long-term talent on the team. Yeah, right? so, and gather information. This is a good information-gathering season, which you do right, every right. year, but this year more than, than some years. You're trying to get information from other teams, well, and also your own team, so you you know you make better decisions in the summer of 2018 and everything else. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm excited for this. So that's coming up in 10 minutes, so make sure you stay tuned for that right here, ESPN 700. Uh, really quick, former MVP just signed with a championship contender, and that is Derrick Rose <laughs> yeah. signed with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, you, you can argue whether or not— MVP, you, you loosely. Yeah, oh, I use championship contender loosely, too, because you could argue <laughs> that the Cavs actually are not Ouch. because they're still the Golden State Warriors in the NBA, and no one's really contending with them. And uh, they look unlikely to have Kyrie Irving in, in three months. Do you think Do you think they'll still have Kyrie I want to talk about that All coming right. up well, in we'll save it. 40 minutes. Deal. So I want to come. I want to talk about that in the second segment of our second hour. Uh, Derek Rose, I actually don't hate this because what yeah. do you have to lose? It's fine. It's $2 million. It's $4 million less per year than Shelvin Mack. Right. Right. Like, right. Derek Rose, I, I get that maybe you have some weird chemistry issues. And, and you know, with, with Chicago, there were some things where Derek Rose didn't get along with people on, the, on his team because yeah. he thought he was a man. Hopefully he's over that at this point, and that two million dollar contract is a is a wake up call of some sort. He's the type of guy who I think will buy into LeBron's thing because LeBron so loves Derrick Rose for some reason. Even though Derrick Rose might be a creep off the floor and is not a great scorer efficiency wise, he's a abs- he's an absurd talent. He is as talented a player as there is, you know, in the NBA. And at his peak, his talent was undeniable. Now he had freakish yeah. athleticism to mix That's- with that. I don't think his talent level was as high as you're saying. Okay. He's a— I think we're seeing that now, honestly. Sure. Obviously, we are, and we are seeing that now. And even in a bad year last year, he had 18 points, four rebounds, and four assists. So there are some things he doesn't 
and I know those numbers were just crazy on the Knicks and somebody had to do something and, and he was that guy. I think he will fit in with the Cavs and do something. I don't think he's a total negative on the floor. And Darren Williams actually had some good good play good play last year before they got to Golden State. And everyone's going to remember the Darren Williams Cavs era as being terrible, even though I thought he actually did some nice things coming off the bench until he ran into a team he just can't play against. Yeah, there was a reason he was getting that many minutes for the, the last few games of the Eastern Conference Finals and the Finals was... Because he was good in, in yeah. for the last 30 or so games of the regular season. But, yeah, so I think it's an upgrade there. And I think, you know, from an on-court basketball point of view, you couldn't do much better for $2 million. Um, again, you know, like, Jimmer Fredette is making more in China, yeah. you yeah. know? like And you can, prob- you can probably uh, afford to play him 20 minutes a game for a couple of games if you have to. Yeah. And that's okay. Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to do buyers or sellers, which teams we're buying, which teams we think are going to be selling at the trade deadline. You talked about uh, Bill Walton kind of waxing poetic about Boris Diaw. We want to talk about it with our highlight tapes uh, from YouTube. Uh, make sure you stay tuned. It's the ESPN. Here's that Bill Walton clip, by the way. Yeah. Stay tuned. It's the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. From San Diego, the University of Arizona bought the team from Jerry Colangelo in the vision to somehow acquire Boris Diaw. And when you look at Boris Diaw, what he's done to this franchise, he's changed everything. And as we celebrate his brilliance, and when you talk to Boris Diaw, what a classical human being he is. It was 201 years ago today Yeah, that Beethoven's Symphony Number no. 3 in E-flat, which... The home of the best Utah jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops Show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. You can follow Andy on Twitter at Andy B. Larson, or you can follow me at Ben's Hoops. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, All right, we've got a a fun segment here, and I think it's going to be interesting because I think the Jazz are going to be looking for the right deal uh, coming up here pretty much all season long and into next year because I think the Jazz realize that they need to get more talented uh, coming up if they want to have success with this roster. And I think they're going to try and find places to do that throughout the season. And one of the places you got to look is what the other teams have and who's going to be buying players and who's going to be selling players either to try and really make a run in the playoffs or make sure they get into the lottery or, or you know, are trying to get rid of a contract that they don't want to be paying long term. This is way too soon, right? Like, but this is a kind of look that NBA teams and, uh, you know, general managers and Absolutely. their staffs look at. Heck, even one, two, three years down the road to right. try to figure out what each team's plan is and, and what opportunities might become available. And if you're a Jazz fan, you're going to want to keep your eye on who becomes available and, you know, which teams are, are trying to get players from you because you also may want to get a late first-round pick in exchange for Joe Johnson if, if for some yep. reason that becomes an option for a team that is just saying, like, this is our last chance and we're really good this year. The Spurs, for some reason, are thinking, like, hey, we can really win a championship and we need Joe Johnson and we'll give you up the 30th pick even though they never trade their first-round picks. Right. Uh, all right. Let's just go through the teams really quick, and then we'll come back and revisit which players we think might be available. Boston Celtics, buyers or sellers? Buyers, right? Contenders want to compete with the Cavs in the East. Uh, Okay, I think they absolutely could be buyers. I could see them making trades, but it's trades to try and get better. Toronto Raptors, buyers or sellers? Uh, Probably buyers, again, kind of for the same reason. Knicks. Uh, Who do they sell? I mean, if Carmelo's still on the team, I guess. I'm going to say sellers because I don't think they're competing for much. They could try and get better, though, but I suspecting they're going to make at least a big deal before the season starts. So maybe, you know what, let's say buyers again. Because I think if they get a Kyrie 
or they trade Carmelo, whatever happens, and okay. maybe that's in the same deal, they're probably going to be looking to get assets coming up in the trade deadline. That's at true. The trade deadline. I do think they have a competent GM now, and so yeah. you know that that means that they're more predictable in terms of they may just bottom out here because it's the right thing to do. 76ers, this one's tough for me. I think they sell. You know, they've got two contracts on, uh, I guess this, you wanted me to go quick, but I'll quick sure. explanation. They got JJ Redick and Amir Johnson. Both of those guys are expiring. That's a perfect kind of thing to, to try to trade off. You know, yeah, somebody for sure. wants JJ Redick for a late first and would love to add them to the roster. Brooklyn Nets, who have certainly be, who have, uh, suddenly become buyers in the NBA. Yeah, buyers still for the same reason. Because you're at the worst team in the NBA. You can't get worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't have anything to sell. You know, maybe you sell Trevor Booker off, but. Here's okay, and we I also didn't put out the option that you could do buyers and sellers. You can do both, and then the Knicks could certainly fall in that because I would say the Jazz fall under a buyer and a seller. So then I guess I would say the Sixers are both buyers and sellers because they can sell stuff, but then also you know they've got. I think buying makes sense for them if Colangelo's look for to maybe make some trades. Yeah, and if they they look like they have a chance to be the Jazz last year, who missed the playoffs two seasons ago and then had a chance to compete for home court advantage Mm -hmm. in the first round, and I don't think that's out of the question for Philly this year if everything comes together. Uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm going to put them as both buyers and sellers. Who do they sell? Uh, Kevin Love. Still, I mean, he still has so much longer on his contract that he makes much more sense to me as a... uh, off-season trade kind of thing. Sure. Where you're, you're making, you know, you're you're changing your franchise so much if you trade Kevin Love away that I think it only makes sense to do once LeBron James is lost. Uh, I think that's I, fair. As left. I uh, guess. Milwaukee Bucks, buyers or sellers? Probably buyers, right? Probably buyers in case something, unless something goes terribly wrong and they feel like they have to get rid of Chris Middleton or Jabari Parker, and I don't see that happening. Indiana right. Pacers, buyers or sellers? Uh, probably sellers. I don't think they bottomed out yet, so I'm with you on sellers. Chicago Bulls, buyers or sellers? I'm buyers? probably still saying I think they're still sellers, even though I don't think they have a whole lot to sell. Yeah, again, uh, I, I I don't know how much I believe in their talent. Um, right. and that that team has just been allergic to bottoming out. Uh, Detroit Pistons, even though they signed guys like you know Dwayne Wade. Sure, but maybe you trade Dwayne Wade to a team. Absolutely. Not trade Dwayne. Are they going to trade? Absolutely. Trade Dwayne Wade. Yeah. Wade, Dwayne Wade, Wade. yeah. Uh, Detroit Pistons, I think they're obvious sellers. I think they want to get rid of both Reggie Jackson yeah. and Andre Drummond. They've been sellers for the last two years. Yeah, and they just gave up on uh, on year. Kentavious Caldwell-Pope. They've got to figure out what they're going to do with Avery Bradley. I actually think that's a good play, player you can trade and try and get a first-round draft pick before he signs somewhere else this offseason. There may not be any bigger seller team in the league. Uh, Washington Wizards. Probably buying. Buyers, because right? they might be the second-best team in the Eastern Conference yep. if Boston doesn't come together. Atlanta Hawks. Probably selling. Probably sellers. Uh, Miami Heat. Buyers. Probably buyers. I'd say they're probably buying. Okay. Uh, because they, they they barely missed the playoffs last year, and I think there's no reason for them not to compete for the playoffs because they don't need to be bad to get stars. Right. They feel like Miami and Pat Riley is good enough to to bring in stars like they thought they could with Gordon Hayward. Okay. Charlotte Hornets. Buyers or sellers? Sellers, right? I mean, you've got again kind of a middle. They just traded contest. for Dwight Howard. They yeah. could be on the buy. Want to sell Dwight yeah, Howard. and they may want to sell you know, Dwight and, Howard. And I think ultimately they're they're going to have to figure out a direction that's not being the eighth seed in, yeah. in the East. Um, Nick Batum would be someone who they could may, maybe move. You know, Frank Kaminsky could be Walker's moved. Yep. The, your franchise, Frank Kaminsky, a good example. Orlando Magic. I can't believe. It. I mean, I think they're sellers, which yeah, is crazy because they're so bad. But, but they I don't have, think they bottomed out yet. And they have so much money in all these weird contracts that they got to trade some of the, the front court. Uh, I think the Jazz are both buyers and sellers, yep. as we mentioned. Oklahoma City Thunder. 
fires for a presumed contender. Could be interesting, though, because they could trade Paul George if they wanted to, if they feel like for sure he's going to be gone, but they could get a ton for him for from the Cavs or from somebody if they wanted to get that long-term piece like Kevin Love. And the Cavs say, you know what? We think there's a real chance we lose LeBron as we're currently kind of built, so let's trade Kevin Love for a guy like Paul George and make one real run at it because I think Paul George is better than Kevin Love. Yeah, you make one real run at it. Is that worth losing the next three years? You know, maybe you trade. Kevin yeah, because I don't know if you want. I don't know if you want to pay Kevin Love three first round picks. You know, whatever. It is. Uh, that seems like a lot for Kevin Love. Sure, but yeah, uh, <laughs> hey, he's coming off an All Star year, so I'm going to put buyers and sellers for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Portland Trailblazers are really interesting to me. I think they. I mean, they just sold right in Allen right. Crab. I think they try to sell again. Um, but that with... that selling Allen Crab was almost a buy because you're. Trying yeah. to get money back, yeah. so you can have more money, even but though yeah, they don't have any. Maybe you know someone. Maybe you can trade Evan Turner to somebody and and make that work. I I don't think they're selling CJ or Dame. Right, but they are trying to get Mellow. Apparently, at least CJ and Dame trying are trying to get Mellow. But I don't know that like Neil O'Shea is trying to get Mellow. Denver Nuggets. I actually think they're sellers, even though they were buyers in the off season. Mm-hmm. I think they're trying to move some of these pieces to figure out how to best fit Jokic. Millsap, and then either Jamal Murray or whoever they think is going to be their best backcourt right, player. Right, because their roster doesn't make sense long term. They just right. like we talked about, they have too many yeah. power forwards, and so you got to sell some of them. So sellers. Yeah. I'm uh, okay, I like that. Let's go with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Buyers, right? Buyers. I mean, you're, that team will be looking for shooting, looking for something that com- completes their current club. Uh, yeah, unless Jeff Teague is an absolute non-fit, and they feel like they need to move him or something like that. They could sell Wiggins also at the trade deadline if they think hey, we've got a chance to be a top-four team in the West, and Wiggins can get us something more than what he provides us right now, which is a lesser version of kind of everything they already have, which is either as a pure yeah. scorer or as a wing player or as a defensive player. I don't think that works out. Warriors. They're not They're not either. They're, they can stand <laughs> pat and be loose. just fine. <laughs> uh, Clippers, I think, is really interesting. Yeah, I I think they're buyers. I mean, I, I, I you know obviously you've got the aggressive owner, you've got the coach who's... Doc Rivers is not a seller kind of GM. Right, and they just signed... Uh, Blake Griffin, so you don't want to have bad seasons while you right. have Blake Griffin. But they were also talking about trading DeAndre Jordan this offseason. So. And DeAndre is a free agent at the end of the year. The problem is it's really hard to integrate like a defensive center like DeAndre Jordan to a team like without having that training camp. Um, so I, I, to me, I don't think he makes a lot of sense as like a, a trade deadline acquisition for anybody else. And so I, I think they're trying to keep DeAndre, keep this team around, and, and adding to that talent as well. Sacramento Kings. I think they're buyers because yeah. I think they've been buying they, Zebo, George Hill, these pieces they've gotten. Do they sell Zebo or George Hill is my only question? They could, if uh, especially if De'Aaron Fox is good enough that they feel like they need to play him or Scalabissier has to play and they need to get rid of Zebo. But there's no reason why you can't fit those. They're, they've got enough minutes available on that team to get all those guys' minutes. Yep. Uh, Lakers. Buyers, right? They could. They uh, Clarkson. And we'll talk about yeah. who these guys are going to become available and where you could get these pieces and how I mean, they could help the Jazz. And I think that's that's our next conversation coming up immediately as soon as we end yeah. this. They, they tried to sell Jeremy Clarkson, or not Jeremy Clarkson, Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson. Uh, and found out that he wasn't worth anything. They're trying to figure out their money situation because they want to sign two max players this offseason. So they could be selling to clear out cap space and take out non-guaranteed contracts to match up with Contavious Caldwell-Popu where they gave $18 million or whatever it was for one season. I mean, they just yeah. want to have as much money as avail- as possible at the end of the year. Yeah, uh, Luol, they would, oh, they would love to sell Luol Deng. I don't know how you do it, yeah, but you got to team him with something good. Value. But they may be able to do that, and then they can really load up their talent this offseason. Brooke Lopez, is he worth anything to anybody? Uh, he's good. He can play. He's a big guy. And, and who knows what teams get desperate and feel like they need to make a move. We just- uh, haven't seen a center get like actual trade value back. 
Correct. And or long-term contracts this offseason, which is interesting because that just shows that the value is going down other than, you know, Rudy Gobert and Steven Adams, the guys who signed their mid-year deals last year, and then Blake Griffin, obviously, this season. Phoenix Suns. Is it time for them to buy? I think they're sellers with Jared Dudley. Jared Dudley, and Eric Bledsoe. Chandler, maybe. Eric Bledsoe, yeah. Yeah. Probably sellers. Uh, Brandon Knight. Yeah. Could try and sell, but they need to also get some young pieces around. So I or guess maybe if they you just sell cl- all those guys for a, a superstar, which is what they've been trying to do this right. offseason, right? Right. Is that I, I'm going to put them selling? as both buyers or sellers okay. because they could do both. They need to clear room for their young guys to play. Yep. San Antonio Spurs, buyers or sellers? Presumably buyers. Probably buyers, though they're trying to get rid of LaMarcus Aldridge. I don't know how to do it. Houston Rockets, buyers. buyers always going to be buyers. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies, sellers, I think sellers right? for sure, and I think they could have some really good pieces come available. What, Pelicans. Uh, Buyers, probably because buyers, but they might they be trying fired. to get rid of Rajon Rondo. Look, if if you tr- yeah, you, maybe, but who's going to buy Rajon Rondo right. again? And B, if you get rid of Demarcus and and or Anthony Davis, you're fired, right? Like, right. you've you've failed too many years in a row. Except for I would trade Kyrie Irving for uh, Boogie Cousins if I could do that. If, if the, for some Cavs reason, or uh, probably Pelicans. Uh, Pelicans. Oh well, yeah, yeah, sorry. for sure. And I think for some reason the Cavs may feel like that's the best talent they can get. Because that's a weird front office right now. Who That'd doesn't? Is it a nightmare? But I love that. And then you trade Kevin Love for a point guard. I really like that. Here's the problem with the Kevin Love trade. If you're trying to get a point guard back, nobody has two good point guards in the NBA right now. Yeah. Everyone, almost everyone has one good point guard other than the Sacramento Kings because you don't know what you have yet with De'Aaron Fox and they've got George Hill. There's not a lot of teams that are too deep at point guard like the Clippers were when they had Chris Paul and Eric Bledsoe. Nobody has that guy who needs to be starting who's your backup right now. At least I, can, I haven't been able to think about it or think of it. I've been trying to figure out who that would be. Yeah. And the only teams that make sense, honestly, are if Donovan Mitchell's a point guard and you realize that really early on and you got to get rid of Rubio to clear minutes for him and that same scenario in Sacramento, as I just mentioned. And potentially uh, uh, Portland. If you think, if someone thinks that C.J. McCollum can run your point, which I don't think he can. And I don't think they think that. Uh, but if you can team next to LeBron and LeBron runs the point and then you've got a, a small guy in the backcourt, you can probably run that. Uh, okay. Dallas Mavericks, last team, buyers or sellers? Probably sellers. Sellers. Okay. So let me go over our teams that are sellers, and we'll figure out which pieces we think could be available for the Jazz. We put the Philadelphia 76ers as sellers. Does anyone yeah. on that roster make sense for the Jazz? Um, I mean, they're kind of one-year deals is why I think they're sellers. Is right. J.J. Redick and Amir Johnson. So, and the Jazz are probably looking for a long-term piece, as we mentioned. Right. So I don't think that they trade, you know, Ben Simmons or even, you know, Robert Covington. They want to keep him. Dario Sar, you know, all these guys are are long term pieces for the Sixers. I agree. Uh, the only piece there that I kind of like that you could maybe turn into a long term piece if you're the Jazz, even though I don't think you need him, is Rishon Holmes. I just like Holmes. I, yeah. I, he's played well, but yeah, that's he's Ekbeudo. He's all these other guys. You know, as sure. far as he's just yeah. a backup center, uh, not a guy you're going to invest a ton of minutes in. I don't think Philly has anything that the Jazz are looking for. Our next seller that we listed, I think the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I think the Jazz would love to find a way to get Kevin Love on this roster. Yeah, I, I really do too. And I think, again, makes sense because he's got the long-term contract, so it does fit. Uh, it, it's really kind of where you think Kevin Love can play next to Rudy Gobert. And, you know, I think he's never played with someone that defensively good before. Sure. So I think it would be, it'd be really interesting. I feel like people around here, and maybe it's just people I'm reading on Twitter, really underestimate how good Kevin Love is. I think the Cavaliers underestimate how good Kevin Love is. Because yeah. I don't think the Cavaliers are run very well because their owner's an idiot. And they're on the— Their Yeah, and they've got a, what, their fifth option at GM right now? I mean, 
the number of guys they tried to go after before they got to Altman, who was already there. I mean, he was already on staff. Yeah, he's the assistant. And then didn't end up, I mean, he was like their fourth choice. <laughs> That's a bad sign. Yeah. Uh, so I think, and, and I think there's a real chance that they think we're going to lose LeBron James. Someone has a good deal or we're just trying to clear space purely clear space this offseason, and that's how the Jazz could sweep in with a Derek Favors, Joe Johnson trade, or a first-round pick, Derek Favors, and Joe Johnson, and you get Kevin Love back. He's a four-time All-Star who I think can still give you 20 points a game, who's going to turn 29 or 30 this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that works. Um, they could I, probably get better offers than yeah, that. I do, too. Uh, I but I think that would be something the Jazz would really love to look at, and you know, you could put Dante in a conversation like that if he emerges, or you could put Rodney in a conversation like that if you don't want to pay him, but you think he has value elsewhere. It's kind of like uh, what Winhorst said in that podcast that without Boris Diaw, this trade doesn't make any. And now we're trading about talking about yeah. a trade deadline, but um, it's really hard to get a trade that makes sense for the Cavs to get sure. Kevin Love or Kyrie Irving on the roster. Uh, but that would be the name I think the Jazz would love to find a way to get, and I'm sure they've had that conversation and would continue to have that conversation, yep. especially if it feels like he's going to become available. Indiana Pacers. Uh, is there anyone? I mean, they're not going to give you Miles Turner. And they're not going to give you any of their young pieces that they just traded for. I mean, they would gladly give you uh, Oladipo because that he has a horrible contract, but the Jazz have a rich man's Oladipo, or even better, a low-cost Oladipo <laughs> right now in Donovan Mitchell right? with higher upside? Yeah, uh, exactly, and, and he just makes too much money at this point. I mean, Bogdanovich maybe, but... I no, nothing that's going to blow your skirt up. Right. Uh, so let's pass on Indiana. Okay. Uh, moving on, so our next seller that we had on our list was the Detroit Pistons. I don't see it. Um, I, First of all, I don't like that. Actually, the, the one the, guy... Who, if you thought what you wanted to do was audition him because you want to bring him back long term, is Avery Bradley. And again, I just think he probably is too much crossover with Donovan Mitchell. I would also throw Tobias Harris in there as the yep. stretch four next to Rudy Gobert. Sure. The problem is Tobias Harris might be the one guy on that roster who they like, um, which is <laughs> unfortunate for Stan. But honestly, he was their leading scorer last year. Um, has improved on the defensive end. I, I think he'd be he'd be a nice fit next to Rudy. I don't think they want to trade him. Uh, a guy who, and again, this is just. Me uh, and these guys generally don't pan out if they haven't panned out yet, but a guy I would still always be interested in is Stanley Johnson. And you just hope he was a bad fit with yeah. Detroit, but was a really kind of a nice player coming out of Arizona. And maybe that's a guy you you just do a young player for young player swap, saying we need Dante needs a new landing spot. He just needs a shakeup in culture, and so does Stanley Johnson. So why don't we just swap these young guys who haven't worked out for our rosters? Interesting. That- and that's because the Jazz need... Yeah. Wing depth, and they want to get rid of Reggie Jackson, and they would love to have a guy like Dante who could maybe be something there. That's that's I, I don't hate that idea. So those types of pieces, I think, are, are always tradable and uh, something I'd keep an eye on for the Jazz. Uh, Detroit Pistons, we thought, were the biggest sellers coming up most likely at the trade deadline. There's just no fit for the Jazz to buy then. Uh, here's our problem. we it, It's hard to know who's been injured and who wants to get rid of some of these contracts. Chicago Bulls, I don't think there's a lot there. No, I mean... Uh... Jazz aren't going to be interested. They just don't have good young players who they would trade. I mean, do you want to take on Chris Dunn? Do you want to take on Laurie Markkinen? And then they don't have any kind of like right. mid-range long-term. Future. Unless they were able to sign Miritich to a decent contract, a lower-level contract, and he ends up not fitting their timeline of their rebuild, and but he has a good season, maybe the Jazz could say, hey, that's a guy who we think can come in and give us 17 points a game and replace what we hoped we were getting in Danilo Gallinari. If yeah. you thought he was going to become available okay. and didn't, uh, that would be the only piece. Uh, but again, you have to give them a young player. 
very different players, but yeah, I, I see what you're right. You, you understand what I'm saying. A, a, a wing score, a perimeter score, and Miritich might be able to be that guy. Other sellers that we listed, the Charlotte Hornets. I actually think Nick Batum is a guy who could have potentials as a target for the Jazz. Yeah, I think he fits a lot of what the Jazz want. Uh, you know, we, we've seen him kind of become a secondary playmaker. The Jazz love those kind of wings and yep. someone who can play some defense and someone who can shoot the ball well. He makes a ton of money. He's making $22 million next year and makes $25 million in, in 2019-20. But honestly, I think he does a lot and may be worth that money. Um, you know, Marvin Williams, You, if you think he can be what he was two years ago, but I don't see the Jazz taking a, a gamble on someone his age. But again, Nick Batum last year, 15 points, six rebounds, six assists. I mean, he's that type of guy. Yeah. I mean, he's got that a little bit of the Hayward-ish type of thing that I think, I mean, when he moved, signed in Charlotte, that's what people thought they were getting. And they thought, oh, they missed out on Hayward the first time. They went out and mm-hmm. got him, and Portland lost out on him. It hasn't fit as perfectly as they thought it might, but the Jazz loving that international flavor might want to bring him in. It's kind of a choice, really, if you want to pay Rodney Hood, Four years down the road or paying Nick Batum, and, and maybe that's kind of a trade that might work out. The Oklahoma City Thunder, I listed it, or, or, or I'm skipping a team, Orlando Magic. Okay. The the Magic, is that a team that would have anything that the Jazz might be interested in? The problem is that they're so front court heavy, and, and the Jazz are too, so I, I don't know that that happens. You know, you don't want Biombo. I mean, Evan Fournier might be a Fournier. guy who they would sell. And um, Jazz have friendly relationships with Fournier and, and Rudy yeah. Gobert being buddies. Uh, I know the Jazz were interested in Aaron Gordon before the draft right. and would still probably like a player like that if they could get him. I don't know what it costs coming back. Yeah, I agree, and I think it probably costs too much. Um, yeah, Fournier is not is not crazy. No, uh, not at all. And I think that's the type of player the Jazz could look at because he has a chance to bring in and be a scorer for the Jazz. Uh, next team down, I put him way more of a buyer than a seller, and the only t- player I thought they were potentially selling in the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, was Paul George. Yeah, the Jazz have no interest in Paul George on three month rental that would cost a fortune. Uh, otherwise, a couple of guys on this roster, I just don't think there's enough there. I know Jazz fans for some reason uh, wanted to bring in a couple of players in a potential trade like Doug McDermott, but I just I don't think that that's a worst fit for the defensive Jazz. player in the league. Right? Yeah, he's really bad. Uh, so I don't think that makes sense for the Jazz. Nick Collison was a guy the Jazz might have been interested in a few years ago. Uh, Ennis Cantor is going to be on the trade deadline or on the trade market, but the Jazz obviously are a no <laughs> with Ennis Cantor. Uh, Trailblazers are kind of interesting. Trailblazers are a team who, again, I always thought the Jazz needed to find a way to try and get C.J. McCollum. I don't. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually ends up on the market sooner than a lot of people think, because he is a little bit repetitive, because they have the worst defensive backcourt in the NBA, and because he makes so much money and has owed money for a long time. And you could probably get pretty good value back. I just don't know if the Jazz have the value to get him. I agree with that, and I, I I'm more skeptical than you that they they trade him. Uh, either him or Dame. You know, I think Dame is clearly the keeper guy there. Yeah. Um, and, and then beyond that, they have the third highest payroll in the league next year. So they need to get rid of money, though. So they, you need to get rid of money. But you know, are the Jazz going to sign Evan Turner or Myers Leonard or Mo Harkless? Maybe Mo Harkless if they're willing to trade yep. him. But uh, or Aminu, they would take Aminu for sure. I like Aminu. Uh, yeah. so I think they've got some pieces that could be traded off. And you got to realize the Jazz are giving them hopefully nothing in return. Right. The Jazz aren't trying to make Portland better and aren't going to be willing to. But the Jazz actually, and, and you know what, you could team together a couple of these contracts that you have signed, Tavo Cephalosha and uh, Jonas Drebko, and you could get back a $10 million salary that has three years left. Yeah. Uh, and they get to waive them if, in this offseason if it's true that these are one and one deals that the Jazz signed with all their new players. Uh, we listed do them something in- like Aminu for Joe Johnson, for example. Right. Then- it, yeah, if they were trying to make the playoffs and they thought they could use that type of guy and the Jazz didn't feel like Joe Johnson was going to add extra value to them. But they probably have enough scoring anyway. But anyway, yeah. Here's a team I actually think 
Here's a team that I really think could become a seller at the trade deadline. You okay. listed them as a buyer. I think it's the Clippers. And the player I think becomes available is Danilo Gallinari, even though they okay. just traded for him slash signed him, because it's the type of thing where I think Danilo Gallinari probably needs to play the four. Blake Griffin has to play the four. DeAndre Jordan, I think they would like to keep long-term next to Blake Griffin if they can, and they realize, oh, man, we have a horrible fit with Danilo Gallinari. Yeah. We need to trade him. We know the Jazz had interest, and the Jazz can give you basically expiring contracts to get him back. Again, I think that makes more sense as an off-season deal once they know if DeAndre is re-signing with them or going somewhere else. As Correct. You know, he got pretty close to going somewhere else before. Uh, so I, I could see that happening, though. Uh, I don't think that the Jazz would be interested in Austin Rivers, Wes Johnson. Oh, Austin Rivers is untouchable. Did you not hear that? <laughs> yeah, he's untouchable in a trade, even for Carmelo Anthony. Uh Danilo Gallinari, I would not be surprised if he became available. Okay. Uh, actually, Chance Patrick Beverly comes available, even though I don't think, even though they went and drafted Juwan Evans this year, and a lot of people thought that guy was going to be Chris Paul, which he's not. He's not. Uh, but if I don't for know some if he's reason, yeah, but if for some reason, let's say he catches fire and is the guy, and they think, oh man, we can play him, but we're not a great team this year, but we need to kind of rebuild a little bit. Patrick Beverly is not a guy who stands in the way of somebody getting the minutes, though. You Probably know? not, but you can trade him because he has a little bit of value, and they may be a team that's. Fighting for the seventh seed. I don't think they're fighting for home court advantage, and they feel like, even though they don't have a smart GM, even though, let's see, Jerry West is a mover and a shaker. Yeah, He, mm-hmm. he could come in and actually move that, make them move some things. I could see them trading Lou Williams. Absolutely, because uh, Lou Williams is going to play for 40 teams. before. <laughs> There's only 30 teams in the NBA. Yeah. He'll play for 40 <laughs> of them before the end of the year, uh, before the end of his uh, career. Phoenix Suns, buyers and sellers. We listed them both because they've got a lot of veteran pieces they need to get rid of to clear room for their young pieces, and they would like to get a star back. Yeah, I, I don't know, you know, obviously, so Brandon Knight just tore his ACL. Uh, Eric Bledsoe is only under contract for one more year after this Tyson one. Chandler's too repetitive for what the Jazz have. Yep. Uh, Jared Dudley's a nice fit, but is is aging for sure. Um, I like that Alan Williams pickup, actually. For sure. Uh, three years, $17 million, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, beyond that, you know, are, are they, you don't really want Alex Len and his whatever long term he's going to get. Um the one guy, and I just don't think Derek the Jazz Jones have Jr. the pieces to land him, is Dragon Bender, and the Jazz just don't have the way to get that guy. Yeah, I'm curious. They they say they want to play him at center this year, which is which will be interesting. Uh, so I don't think Phoenix really makes much sense for the Jazz, even though we've heard in the past that they're interested in Derek Favors. I think they would just wait to sign him in the offseason if they feel like that's a piece they have to add. Uh, another seller, the Memphis Grizzlies. Memphis gets interesting because they've got a lot of really talented pieces uh, and need to sell off. I don't think they would ever move Mike Conley. Right. I don't think. And There's I, a chance they could move Gasol. I doubt it, but they could because he is a little bit older. Yeah, but then he doesn't make any sense for the Jazz. No, and yeah, he doesn't make any sense at all. They would love to find a way to get rid of Chandler Parsons, but they're not going to get a good enough draft pick to unprotect and team with Chandler Parsons to ever be able to get rid of that contract because the injuries are too scary. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and then our last selling team that we had on here was the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, and I mean, is there anyone on Dallas that you want? Uh, I mean... You don't really want to take on Harrison Barnes' contract. Wesley Matthews is is way overpaid for yeah. what he is post Achilles. Right. Uh, and then no, there's nothing beyond that. Yeah. yeah. Seth Curry because he's going to get a lot of money this off season. But then again, Seth Curry's probably a little bit repetitive with what you have in Donovan Mitchell, which I, I mean, not repetitive in skill set, but as far as just the minutes he's going to play. The best target I heard there, and I, I'm going to ta- I'm going to say Kevin Love, even though I don't know how easy that is, and Danilo Gallinari. Because I think there's a chance Gallinari becomes available in the yeah, next 12 months. Again, I, I like that call because I I think there is you know again we're we're talking about spacing and and that might be the the odd man out in in L A land like I, I 
like I said, I think it's more of an off-season thing, but anyway. Uh, I thought that was fun. I think yeah. Yeah, it kind of gives you an understanding. Unfortunately, there's a lot of teams that are probably buying right now and trying to set themselves up for 2019, 2020. I don't know that. I think the Jazz have some pieces to sell if they want to, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jazz really have some good pieces to get rid of. Yeah. For teams that either want expiring contracts or expiring contracts that are going to be good on their way out the door. Especially if, like, we've talked about the Tabo Cephalosia, Jonas Drebko, Ekpe Udo triplet are all two year contracts with a second year non guaranteed. Those guys are expiring who could really potentially help a team. I could see a team like wanting Tabo Cephalosia. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I thought that was a fun exercise. We touched on it a little bit the Kyrie Irving trade. Could it impact the Jazz in any way? I want to talk about that coming up next on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson. Find him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. You can find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. You can also give us a call, 877-353-0700. Uh, we skipped a team accidentally uh, in our which teams are going to be buying, which teams are going to be selling uh, at the trade deadline this year, which is in early February. Uh, and it was actually a team I think could be a little bit interesting. That's the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers are trying to clear as much cap room as they can ahead of next year where they already have $60 million, I think, to yeah. spend this offseason. They've only got $40 million in contracts guaranteed next year and could still try and get below that because they are trying to add LeBron and Paul George and trade for Kevin Love and all these pieces right. that have been rumored forever. They're really trying to get something going there. The problem is they've already traded this year's pick, so you know you don't get the right. bad pick and they taking on someone like Luol Deng. And, and they traded uh, another future pick, right, to the Nets. Right. Am I wrong in that? No, you're With right. Mozgov. Or no, they got... They got, the tw- they, they got, got the they got the Kyle Kuzma pick. So they didn't they didn't trade anything. Okay. Uh so that could be interesting but then again you understand if they're able to clear all this room and fill out that roster that pick is going to be 28, 29, right. 30. So at that point it gets hard to take on Luol Deng in exchange for Derek Favors. Right, you have to do like Luol Deng and Brandon Ingram, say. Yeah, and they're not going to give up Brandon Ingram. I I don't think yet. Unless you get LeBron James. Unless you know you're getting LeBron right. and you know so that Paul George is coming with deadline. him. Agreed. I don't think you're doing it at the deadline. But then again, you have to prob- probably trade. Yeah, and you can probably do it in the offseason, trade Luol Deng with Brandon Ingram, and you can probably get some nothing back. But then again, you kind of have to take money back. That's the advantage of doing it at the deadline is you get to clear that money by the end of the year, which is Derek Favors and Joe Johnson. You right. know, that's how you make that trade. Uh, I don't, I'm don't. i not betting on that, Jazz fans. No. You're not getting Brandon Ingram this <laughs> offseason. But, yeah, you could get a guy like Julius Randle. If that interests anybody, but you're not taking on Luol Deng's contract with with Julius Randle. You're trading, yeah. Kyle Kuzma? Yeah, if Kuzma becomes available and they say, you know what, he's going to be that 3-4 that's just totally replaceable with Paul George and LeBron James. He's just never going to get minutes, and he's averaging 17 points a game as a rookie. Crazy, because Lonzo Ball's getting the ball in the perfect spot every single time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe then you go out and make that deal. Uh, That's probably it. Larry Nance Jr. might be a little bit interesting. He can play. Uh, but not a guy you're, again, taking on a huge contract with. Jordan Clarkson is a name that the Jazz maybe could take on one for one. Sure. He's not a throw But they're in on not at player. all interested in Jordan Clarkson. And Jordan Clarkson has had weird issues after what sounded like interest early in his career from a lot of NBA teams certainly fell off this year. Everyone kind of realized what he was. Yeah. He didn't improve this last year at all from yeah. what was a good start to his career. Monte Ellis. And, uh, yeah, he might be a crazy person on top of that. Might be a crazy – yeah. Yeah. Uh, so – Probably not a great spot with the Lakers, but the Lakers are going to be sellers this season. Yep. So uh, you could potentially work something out because they want as many expiring contracts. Maybe, honestly, the best name there is Kyle Kuzma. 
which isn't saying a whole lot because as good of a seven games or eight games as he played in Vegas, you have no idea what he's going to be in the NBA. And if they are getting rid of Brandon Ingram, they might hold on to Kyle Kuzma to be that young piece that they feel like can be a scorer. Yeah. So uh, that that's kind of interesting with the Lakers. The big name, the big NBA story that if you follow anything NBA, it's all anyone's talking about right now, is the Kyrie Irving trade. What happens and does it impact the Jazz in any way? First of all, can we back up and be like, that it, it is insane that Kyrie Irving wants to trade himself now yeah. off a contender, you know, the best team in the Eastern Conference, to go to the New York Knicks. And I get that he's worried that, you know, LeBron James is going to leave. Fine. Make your trade demand in 2018. Yeah. You know? It's a I real red flag that Kyrie lot. wants to leave exactly. right now. Uh, it's not any... It's a huge red flag. I thought he was going to be a better soldier coming out of Duke than he ended up being. And even Mm -hmm. then, when he was being talked about as number one pick and ended up being the number one pick despite playing, what was it, eight games at Duke, there was some talk that there might be immaturity issues even then. And can we, like, from a star point of view, I think you're better off being the number two guy next to LeBron James than you are being the number one guy, even if that's in New York, on on a 25-win team. How many other teams are there? Is it better to be the number one guy? I mean, you have to be Kevin Durant good. Right. You have to be uh, Steph Curry good. And even then, both Steph Curry and Kevin Durant said, I'll take the risk that I end up being the number two guy on that roster just to be able to beat LeBron. I mean, like, you, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like They both took that gamble of saying, maybe I end up becoming a bit of an afterthought. Maybe I don't have this peak career that I could have had by teaming with this other guy to beat LeBron. And yeah, Kyrie Irving is saying, no, I want to leave LeBron. Yeah. That's how crazy that is. Right. And, and it's also crazy that, and I think that fact lowers his trade value significantly because now every team that has him or could acquire him thinks that he's leaving for New York in two years. Right. So that means that now he has no trade value, or not no trade value. Of course, he has trade value. He has enormous like, trade value. He, yeah. has, <laughs> he has lesser trade value to the Cleveland Cavaliers than he would have if this trade rumor doesn't get out. But then there's the question of how the hell did this get out? What happened? It's not that complex. Like, you have five different people who just applied to be the GM, and you've right. got Brian Windhorst, again, who's been around the team for forever. Right, it's you, LeBron's guy. Like, it's, it's LeBron's... Like, this was... Of but, but again, okay, so it's hard out. to... But, so who are we blaming here? I mean, I don't think this is Kyrie's fault. I think it's Kyrie's fault. I, I don't... I, okay, Why him, wanting to, get, him wanting to get traded, yes. But the fact that it got no, out, no, I don't know if that's Kyrie. Kyrie's and, and if it doesn't get out, then nobody knows. It's but, Then nobody yeah, cares. But it's... Not every day that you have a meeting as serious as that when you're the star or second star player. When you're Kyrie Irving, you know, a meeting with like that with someone around the league doesn't happen. Like that happens two to three times a year at most, right? Like that's too big of a piece of news for Kyrie and his people to think, oh, I, we can keep it a secret here in the Cavs organization, which, by the way, doesn't have a GM for you to deliver that message to. Right. And Dan Gilbert even if you delivered it to him, would find a way to get it out. Because yeah, he just, Comic Sans, tweeted out, <laughs> like, Kyrie wants to be <laughs> traded. Uh, I think Kobe Altman wins a lot of fans this year in Cleveland and around the NBA by making a really good deal and getting a good return for a guy in Kyrie Irving, who I'm with you. I think he ends up in New York and averages 20 points a game, and they win 35 games, and everyone says, what the hell? Can we talk about whether or not Kyrie Irving's a winner? Like, Absolutely. he won, right? So maybe that's... And he but, hit one of the greatest shots in NBA history. Yes. One was the second best player on what I think is the greatest championship in any NBA history, at least in my lifetime, which sure. of really covering or not covering, but following the league is a good 20 years, you know, that I've really been paying attention diehard. I am very doubtful that like Kyrie Irving is a 10 win player. 
You know, like it is a right, superstar, right, right, right. a top 10, 15, 20 player because his defense is that bad and his offense is not super efficient. Like he could, honestly, I think he would make some sense on the Jazz because he could just use a lot of possessions at 45%. Right. But. And the Jazz, every team would love to have him. Yes. Every team in the NBA would love to have him. I do have questions if he's trying to go be the number one guy somewhere, if he'll ever be that and if that's good for your team. I have that question with most point guards because I, I still think players. as much as we're a wing-driven NBA now and the point guard is more valuable than ever, whether it's the hand check rules or whatever you want to talk about, still the best point guard in the NBA is either Chris Paul or Steph Curry. And yes, Steph Curry has two MVPs uh, and has won two championships in the last three years. He already might not be, in fact, really is not the best player on his team anymore because they went out and got Kevin Durant because they won one with him and lost one with him as their best player, and they realized they needed to upgrade their talent. Chris Paul's never made it out of the second round. Russell Westbrook was the MVP, was unbelievable this year, had yeah. as good a season we've ever seen, and his team was the sixth best team in the right. West. No, so there right. there are questions I always still have about your point guard being your best player. I'm not worried about that so much as just how good Kyrie Irving is. I think he's, you know, I think he's like the tenth best point guard in the league. Right. Which so that's what I'm saying. Even if your point guard is your best player. And it's the second or third most important position on the floor because the height disadvantage just ends up being an issue once you get to the rim. I mean, that means at best he's the 25th best player in the NBA when it matters. Right. You know what I mean? Even if it seems like during the regular season he's the 10th or 11th best player, it just gets continues to get bumped down because of his position a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe that's nonsense to some people, but that's just kind of how I view it. Uh, and there are rare exceptions. Steph Curry, again, was legitimately at point guard the first or second best player in the NBA over the last three years Yeah, uh, in that conversation. So uh, I think, I, I I don't think whoever trade, I, this is a rare situation where you trade a superstar and the team that trades the superstar might actually get pretty close to equal value back Yeah, in the Cavaliers. And I don't think they're going to get pennies on the dollar like you got for Jimmy Butler, like you got for Paul George. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that is, is going to make it difficult is, like I said, his contract situation that he does seemingly want to leave, and honestly, that so many teams around the league already have a good point guard. Yeah, but he is underpaid for a starting point yeah, guard. Yeah, that's true. And his has a couple years is left. good, given that it has a uh, So he's got some value, and he's probably the last superstar that comes available for the next little bit because Jimmy it, Butler's been moved, because point. Paul George's been moved. Yeah. But yeah, so I think that will up his value, and I bet you Kobe Altman makes a good deal for Cleveland, and they get some interesting pieces, and whoever you put next to LeBron is going to look good. Yeah, so is, are they a contender next year? Yeah, they're a contender. I mean, they're going to win the East. Okay. I, I, I don't know if that's for sure, you know, depending on what you get back for Kyrie. Like, who plays point guard? Sure. Derek Rose? Derek Rose. Uh, <laughs> when we come back, Gordon Hayward, talk to Woe, just kind of first we've heard from uh, from Hayward, and also some familiar faces back with the Jazz that we have not talked about. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that. Coming up next, it's the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700, Andy Larson, Ben Anderson. Before we wrap up here, just a couple of quick notes. Uh, Hayward was on the Woj podcast talking yeah. to Adrian Wojnarowski, kind of kind of clearing up what happened. I didn't think there was anything all that stunning there from Hayward. No, he stuck with his story, which I think is, I guess the no news is the news there. Um, yeah. Again, I do not believe that story because I know the sources who that that led to the Chris Haynes and Tony Jones uh-huh. and Sam Amick re- reports, and there are different sources, and there are people who would know, and they knew, and so right. that story is is not true, but... Besides that, nothing else was said. Uh, and then another interesting name coming back, kind of flew under the radar, is Justin Zanuck is back with the Jazz after one year? 
Yeah, just one year in one year in Milwaukee. In Milwaukee. Um, was slated to be the GM there after John Hammond left, and then uh, their owner Wes Edens went a different direction, uh, or at least one of their ownership group. But it's nice to have him back in Utah. It's not exactly clear to me, at least, uh, what role he'll be if he'll be assistant GM like he was before right. with the Jazz. But a good mind, a smart mind, and it's nice to have that agent perspective in the front office. Uh, former Indiana Pacers GM David Morway also joining the Jazz's front office has a was, honestly has been in the Jazz's front office for the last year He's as a consultant. Yeah, advisory role. Yeah, the same way Kevin O'Connor kind of still does that same thing, but probably more so than Kevin does yeah. now. More David Morway is definitely around more often than Kevin O'Connor. But that being said, uh, now we'll have a job title. I don't know what that job title will yep. be yet, but uh, again. Uh, it's cool that the Jazz have four former or current yep. GMs in their front office that they can go to, honestly, for relationships as much as anything. Oh, and that's the one thing I'd say. I mean, the people I've talked to, you've got a better relationship with the front office people than I do, certainly, and know more about Zanuck's role. When I've talked to people with the Jazz who talked about Zanuck, they said when he was lost, the hard part was just like, yeah, the ability to track agents and track players and people, It just he was really good at that. And that yeah. was really what he did so well. He had connections that are just time-saving connections. Not that the Jazz can't get us someone's number. Of course you can, but Justin just had it already. And that yeah. was there's value in being time-saving and being efficient, and they lost that when Zanuck was gone. Well, I also think there's value in having those relationships, not only just beyond having that phone number, but b- having those conversations. Yeah. You know, I think, and, and Justin's very good at that, um, having conversations with people around the league where they're going to tell you, even if they're not telling you 100% of the truth, I want to hear what their version of the truth yeah. is, right? Because right. it's it's possible that they're selling that to their fans as well, and, and you know, and, and that sort of thing. So, right. um, you know, Dennis always talks about how the Kevin O'Connor's intelligence made that Trey Burke trade possible in 2013. Right. Uh, now that was a bad trade, it turned out in in retrospect, but it was something that the Jazz uh, were was able to do because of that intelligence and and knowing where Kelly Olynyk would be picked. But yep, um, so. That sort of thing is just helpful to have as much information coming in right. as possible. And it might have also landed you Rudy Gobert because Jazz right. got him at 27 and the Spurs were at 28. And I suspect the Spurs would have taken him at 28. The Jazz said the same thing happened with Tony Bradley. Right. Uh, they, they've never said that with Gobert. I really highly suspect, though, that that's what happened. Or, Even, honestly, they just took the first available pick that was available for and everyone know, knew 45 that and, and money. And, yeah, and they knew Denver's front office was cheap and was apparently willing to trade good picks for nothing, as we've learned again this year. Uh, big thanks to uh, Brittany Calindris or Calandris. How do we say your last name? Calindris. Follow her on Twitter. Uh, she produces our show at Brit underscore Calindris. Uh, Andy Larson, the host and star of this show here at the Salt City Hoop Show. Follow him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. You can follow me at Ben's Hoops. It's the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700.